Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where, for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I invite you to be seated. <coughs> integrity. Integrity. If you look up the definition of integrity in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it will say, firm adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic values. Synonym, incorruptibility. An unimpaired condition, soundness, honesty. The state of being entire, undivided, undiminished, complete. Integrity, honesty, incorruptibility. Seems to me like examples of this are sorely lacking among politicians and public figures in the world today, but if truth be told, also at times, right, in us. Power, it has long been said, corrupts. At least the drive to acquire power often does, and also the drive for wealth, both of which are born out of the idea that what we have and who we are is somehow never enough, which is at the root born from a lack of trust in God. And so we seek influence. And in seeking influence, we seek power, and we seek wealth, and we seek control. 
and we begin to think that it's not enough to just be good. We think we have to be excellent, that we have to somehow rise above everybody else. I was 18 years old, and some of you have heard this story before, so you just have to listen to it again. I was 18 years old, I was attending Centenary College, which is a private Methodist school in Louisiana, it's one where my parents and my uh, uncle and all had gone. And um, in this first semester, you know, this is an institution that believes in students and that students are children of God and that we are first and foremost created with integrity. They believe that honor is not forced, but cultivated. And they have this process of using an honor code. I don't know if any of you went to a school that had an honor code. But there is actually an honor court made up of students that you can take violations to. And any time we turned in an assignment, any assignment, we had to write at the bottom of the assignment that uh, I have neither given nor received any unauthorized aid on this assignment except as, uh, and nor have I observed anyone else do so except as I shall immediately report to a member of the honor court. And then you had to sign your name. God's premise is also that we are created with integrity and that honor is not forced, but rather cultivated. God gives us opportunities to be honorable, to show integrity. We're invited into God's life of grace, but we are not forced into this life of grace, and we are given the room and the freedom to choose otherwise. It's first semester, it's final exams. And I was a nervous wreck. I had studied and studied and studied, but I'm kind of a perfectionist, and I always think I have to make, you know, a perfect grade. And so I put all this pressure on myself, and I had it in bunches. And the exam was going to be a private, scheduled exam to be taken alone in an empty room on my honor, it was in Old Testament methods. When I finished the exam, I knew I was going to have to write those words. I have neither given nor received aid, nor have I observed anyone else do so, except as I shall immediately report to a member of the honor court. The entire test consisted of two questions, and we had two hours to write essays. There I was in the room, all by my lone self, in a hallway that didn't sound like there was nobody else in the building. And there in front of me are my notebooks with all of my lecture notes and my textbook. And they have my little exam book in front of me. And you start to sweat, and you're writing your exam, and you're writing the test, and then there are always those little details that you wish you could recall, that somehow you knew that morning, but you can't pull them to mind, and the temptation was there to open that notebook. And I found myself reaching for it for a second and kind of flipping it, and I was going to take a peek. And I was just getting ready to look down at the words in the notebook, and I was thinking to myself, you know, you've worked really hard in this class. That's what the diabolical one will say. 
you worked really hard in this class. You deserve an A. You'd only be checking your answers. You're not really cheating. Who's going to know? And then as I reach for the notebook and I start to open it, that temptation is just raw. And then the words come, so this is who you really are? Is this who you've become? And immediately rising up in my heart is, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not like that. It's not who I've become. Herbert McCabe, a Benedictine priest, once said, the root of all sin is the very deep fear that we are nothing. Deep down, at least that we're not enough. You know, even the serpent in the Garden of Eden, that story, the serpent told Eve she wasn't enough, that she lacked something, that she had to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then she would be like God which was a lie because we are already like God. We are created in the image of God. That's called the imago dei. It is ours from birth. The fear that we are not enough, that is what drives our desire for power and our, uh, our desire for, for control. And so the diabolical one says, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world and all authority because they belong to me and I can give them to anybody I want. That fear that we are not enough is what causes us to grasp for security, to grasp for the admiration of others. It's what was present when the diabolical one said to Jesus, command this loaf, this stone, to become a loaf of bread. Our temptation, born of the fear that we're not enough, is to try to make something of ourselves, to make a spectacle at least, or to tempt God by risking our own destruction and expecting no consequences. Jesus, being truly human as well as truly divine, felt those same temptations. He heard those same whispers from the devil. No sooner had the heavens parted at his baptism and the spirit had descended into him and he had felt that palpable spirit within himself and heard the voice of God echoing in his ears, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. No sooner had he heard that than the spirit has taken him into the wilderness where his faith and his identity would be tested. Am I really somebody special? And the voice, prove it. If you are the son of God, change the rocks into bread. Do something. Make yourself comfortable. Use your power on your own behalf. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. You know, God's going to not let you t uh, dash your foot against a stone. Worship me and I'll give you all authority over all the kingdoms of the world and all of their riches will be yours Putin seems to have succumbed to that false promise. Power and authority over all the kingdoms of the world are not Satan's to give. They belong to God and God alone. That day, when I was taking the test, that final exam, it occurred to me that God was not especially interested in whether I made an A on the test or not. 
God was probably not really interested in whether I even passed Old Testament methods, to be truly honest. God was far more interested in whether I could act with integrity, even in the face of fear and insecurity and temptation. God was inviting me and you to just trust in God's love. The test wasn't whether Jesus could fast for 40 days or even whether God, uh, Jesus could recite scripture perfectly. The Son of God test was whether Jesus could find the strength to stay the course, to remain whole and integrated in body, mind, and spirit in the face of fear all the way to the cross. It's our test, too, to be children of God when Satan is telling us that we're nothing or that we need to secure our future because we cannot trust in God, and it's hard. And you know, some days it's too much, isn't it? Some days we cheat. Some days we break trust. Some days we break relationships. Some days we deny God until the cock crows. Some days we doubt and we resist God's desire to protect us. Some days we worship other things like shopping and food and sweets and alcohol and cigarettes and painkillers and gambling and compulsive organizing and compulsive exercise and compulsive helping out and fixing others. All ways of avoiding that uncomfortable hollow place in our gut, the one that makes us feel stripped bare, that lets us hide nothing. Barbara Brown Taylor says, and I quote, that hollowness we sometimes feel is not a sign of something gone wrong, even though it doesn't feel very good. It is the holy of holies inside of us. The holy of holies inside of us. The uncluttered throne room of the Lord our God. And nothing on earth can fill it, but that does not stop us from trying. End quote. At some point, we will all hear a voice in our heads saying, take control of your life. If you don't, it will tell us you'll starve. You'll go nuts. Take control or you won't be you anymore. It will invite us to doubt God's power and instead trust and secure our own power, but first we'll have to sell out. We'll have to sell a little bit of our souls to the devil. It really does feel a lot better to fail with honor than it does to win without it. We will have to pledge our allegiance to the diabolical one, he says. And if we resist that one, well, then there's always the third level, which is the voice saying, if you really are a child of God, then you can do anything you want without paying any consequences. You can even jump off the roof of the tallest building around here and not even stub your toe against a rock. And when we failed the test, when we have believed and succumbed to Satan's lies, when we've acted with impaired judgment in a way that diminishes ourselves or others, then we are confronted with that question that arises within our hearts. So, is this who you really are? 
Really? And that voice is the Spirit of God that was breathed into us, the Spirit that is embedded in our souls to guide us and to protect us. And in that moment, our hearts are torn and we turn and we cry to God, no, no, it's not who I really am. It's not who I want to be. It's not. And I am not what I have become. For we know deep in our hearts who and whose we are. We are children of God, claimed and blessed by the one who created us. Jesus, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, rejected his fears, he rejected his doubts, and he clung to the word of God. One does not live by bread alone, he said, but by the word of God. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And he chose to live out of the identity that God had given him. You are my beloved son. A man who, like us, is nothing without God and everything by God's grace. In the wilderness, Jesus was never alone, and neither are we. God has always been with God's people in times of hardship and trial. God was with Abraham and Sarah their entire life long when they were waiting for any sign that God was going to fulfill a promise made to them in the early years of their lives. God was with the Israelites in the wilderness, in a place of danger where we are stripped of every comfort and every protection and forced to rely on God alone. And God has been with us through every battle and through every uncertainty and through every calamity of every kind that people have ever experienced on the whole face of the earth. And God is with us now, filling us with courage and strength and the power of faith to trust in the wisdom and the power and the protection and grace of God. Because in baptism, we have all been claimed as children of God, a holy people united in love. We hear the voice of God whispering in our ears, whether we like it or not. God says, you are mine. You are enough. You are precious. I am holding on to you for dear life, and so we can confess, and I invite you to repeat, I am God's beloved child. God has called me into being, and God is still creating me. There is no part of my heart that God cannot see. God knows me through and through. And still God loves me and seeks me out, for I am God's beloved child. Amen.